Spin City premiered on September 17th, 1996 on ABC. Today is its 20-year anniversary. Let's put 22 minutes and 14 seconds on the clock. Pilot study, Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode that means the first show. In case you didn't know. Well, you never know what show they're gonna talk about. But they're only gonna talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study. My name is Chris Lantinen and I am your host. And I'm joined by, he's putting $10 in the kitty, it's Grimes. Welcome, Grimes. What's up, man? Good to be here, ready to talk some Spin City. I'm glad we're talking Spin City tonight because the debate is on and all, literally all they do is spin things. They do. That is, <laughs> it's a spin debate. It's a spin world. Maybe one more candidate than the other, but uh, we don't want to um, lean any political direction. But Trump, I hope Trump dies in a fire. So it would not be that bad if he <laughs> just went away somewhere far and never came back. You're not wishing for his death, which is one step up on me. So today <laughs> we are talking, of course, about the Michael J. Fox starring. Spin City. This was a show created by Gary David Goldberg and Bill Lawrence of Scrubs fame. And yes. it starred Fox along with Alan Ruck, Richard Kind, Connie Britton, and more. Uh, the main connection here is that Goldberg, one of those creators, also created Family Ties, which Fox, mm. yeah, which Fox starred on as Alex Keaton. And uh, Bill Lawrence would move on to, of course, much more after this, including Scrubs, Cougar Town, Cougar Town and By Relation Community, and uh, much, much more. So I, I want to start out a little bit um, off the show. I want to talk about Michael J. Fox. So Michael J. Fox, he leaves this show in the fourth season, is replaced by Charlie Sheen because of Parkinson's disease. And I'm wondering... Say he does not get Parkinson's disease and his, his career continues on as is. He continues with Spin City. He continues in movies because he took a pretty big, pretty big break after that to focus on research and, you know, all these different kinds of things. Where, right. where do you think his career goes? Do you think he falls back into TV no matter what, like he did with the Michael J. Fox show, which could be an interesting pilot study someday? Or do you think... He goes like the way of the Frighteners and he keeps going into movies. And I don't know, his career like would be kind of fascinating if it had continued. It would. It's one of those sad things that, you know, if only he didn't have this debilitating disease. But yeah, like I, I think it would be hard to go back to movies, especially like a dude who's kind of, you know, in his 40s and whatnot. But I, I for sure think he would have gotten another successful series. And even like with the Michael J. Fox show, um, that was short-lived probably because, you know, it's hard on the guy. Yeah, yeah, it's very, I, you know, I was thinking, like, is he stealing, like, Paul Rudd roles in, like, middle-age, you know, white man movies? Is he, yeah. is he, like, taking, like, Rob Lowe stuff, where Rob Lowe plays against type and is kind of, like, the villain, you know, maybe, like, a Tommy Boy? I don't know what, I think Tommy Boy was, like, two years in Spin City, so obviously he still would have had a chance at that. But like you know, roles like that. I could see him more of a Rob Lowe, I think. Yeah, yeah. What what NBC comedy of The Office, Parks and Rec, Community, and I'm trying to think of a fourth one. I guess the fourth one was kind of a rotator. But which show do you think he uh, gets a guest starring role on? I would have loved to see him 
uh, interview for Michael Scott's job. Oh, that would have been great. That's because really they had one. such a good like mix of people yeah. in that little arc there. I think that would have fit perfectly. Or even like um, Louis C.K.'s turn in Parks and Rec as the mm. cop. I could see him doing something like that. A potential love interest for Leslie Nope. I, yeah. like, I like all that. Yeah, it's a... Like I, I was just thinking about his career today. Like, is he like a one of those? Is he just a really good like character actor at this point? Yeah. Where he comes in and plays against type, being this little short guy, and is actually like an asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah. d- like does he have an Oscar? Like you know, in Curb, I mean, those episodes were yeah. amazing. So he's clearly good at that. Like, um, obviously, he's much loved in Hollywood. Like, does he have an Oscar? Does he have like? Because he did win an Emmy. So I mean, is he like working his way to EGOT? Like, he's obviously uh, a talented guy. Let me just say one more thing. Okay. Tarantino. <laughs> 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 that would have been pretty yeah he's uh taking brad pitt's role in inglorious bastards <laughs> I, I could see it now so in this uh show this show which was the 17th highest rated show of 96 uh sandwiched between fraser and the nbc sunday night movie when they used to do that so oh. not super highly rated but you know fraser was respectable and this got six seasons out of a pretty good start so you know it was there uh michael j fox enters the scene grabbing literally every loose paper in sight <laughs> yes it kind of like just a sh- papers yeah it kind of just like a short cut scene that is like a walk and talk sorkin style thing um until he gets into the actual set now what i didn't know about this show i was watching an interview he did in 96 with letterman and they did film it in new york it was in front of a live studio audience so it wasn't like a fake you know it wasn't like one of those fake jobs it was the real deal which you know i think a lot of the 90s sitcoms were but what really that really made me think about how great the camera movement is in this episode and how it's very it's not standard like right. the camera's moving a lot it's doing a lot of zooming it's very active like uh the set is the set's so nice in that he can move from it's all in one office so he can move from one room to the other and not miss a beat i love how the set is constructed in this show and how it allows for like a really fluid operation and for longer takes than you'd expect out of a sitcom yes definitely and it reminds you that up until like the late 90s networks used to spend money on production yeah (laughs) yeah they did uh so uh fox is joined by richard kind who i think his last big role was bing bong in inside out but of (laughs) course he was a great uh comedic personality throughout the 90s and in Curb, of course, he does mm. he does the lean very well. You know how like when a character leans in to say something, it's like automatically ten percent funnier. Why do you yes. think, why do you think that is? Is it because they're like uh, off balance? Probably they're off balance, and your brain is cued to be ready for something funny because you've seen it, you know, a thousand yeah. times. Yeah, Connie Britton's in this as well. She's gonna be also yeah also in our next pilot, um, Friday Night Lights. She got she had a. a beefy role in that show and she's a she's great as kind of like a secretary slash sex addict i think <laughs> yeah they came off pretty um <laughs> aggressive with her character for a pilot especially yeah I, I guess that's a little bit different than what i what i'm usually like what i'm used to in sitcom land like she's straight up a sex addict like i don't know if that was like a term back then but she totally is she's talking to her mom about having an orgasm or she's just a psycho, one of the two. Yeah, I think they just were going for some shock value. It was uh, a she's, simpler time. <laughs> she's crazy in quotes. 
Right, right. She's the zany, wacky lady. You know? uh, we have Carla Gugino as the reporter. You'll know her from Watchmen, San Andreas. I'm trying to think what else she's been in. She was in that new Cameron Crowe show, Roadies, that's already been canceled after one year. Cameron um, Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, Alan Ruck as well, Cameron from Ferris Bueller. Uh, so it's a pretty, it's like a pretty stacked cast, not just yeah. in, it's more so stacked. It probably wasn't like crazy at the time. But as all these people have made like a pop culture dent, like you look back and you recognize every single person, at least by their voice. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, Rich, that's true. Richard Kind, his like his face is kind of drifted, but his his voice is very recognizable. And really, the only guy that isn't is the guy that they, um, oh, what's that guy's name? He's like the young guy. He's like the intern or whatever. Oh, James. Yeah, James. Uh-huh. James is the only one that hasn't really done anything, has he? I don't recognize him right away, but I bet you like he's done a lot of bit parts. Mm. He seems like he's been, yeah. I mean, he was like in a bunch of stuff once. He was in Silicon Valley a little bit. Um, Richard Kind yeah. was. No, James, James. Oh, James was. Who does he play in uh, Silicon Valley? I didn't know I don't that. Know. Huh. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to look that up. Um. So, <laughs> uh, if people. We'll we'll just throw it out on the table. We've already done this episode, and mm-hmm. I went and deleted the file, so we're doing it again. And you told me this really great story last time, or you had this really great uh, fact about Michael J. Fox when we were talking about the crazy ass like bed flip he does to take his pants off. Oh yeah, he's like about to have sex with his girlfriend, and he he doesn't just get on the bed and take his pants off. He does like a complete three sixty flip, taking them off in midair. And landing on the bed. So he has an athletic background, though, you were telling me. He does, yes. He, um, as a youngster, he was recruited to play, like, professional hockey in Canada. And so he had to choose, you know, devote your life either to this athletic pursuit or go be an actor. Because apparently one of his teachers was like, you're a smartass. You should be, like, a comedian or something. And so, obviously, he chose acting but kept hockey as a hobby. And, Mm -hmm. um... So every now and then, yeah, before he got sick, he would do, like, hockey charity games and stuff like that. But, yeah, he was, like, a very expert hockey player. He seems like he, he seems like he'd be a really good celebrity soccer player, too. Yes, yes. <laughs> Any of the, like, flag football stuff. He's, yeah. like, a jovial guy. I, I wonder if he did the – what was the MTV show where they played basketball? And oh, did, Rock and Jock. <laughs> Rock and Jock. You remember who was really good at that was David Duchovny. He of was course. Like a really good ba- – I think he played at – um. He played at Harvard. He was like a backup point guard at Harvard or something. Yeah. I th- I'm pretty sure we talked about this in the X-Files episode. I was just going to say, as fans will yeah. remember, we, yeah. we covered that on the X-Files. But yes, he um, Rock and Jock was cool. Hmm. Um, so that scene in particular where they are about to make love, that's pretty damn sexual for like a, a live sitcom. Like he's putting his head through her shirt. And like usually this stuff doesn't get like that physical did did that surprise you at all or i'm sure it surprised me at the time uh because i was probably watching with my mom and trying to like not it's always weird when you're a kid and you're just watching the family tv and like hot (laughs) stuff comes up like uh but um yeah i think for the time again going back to like the network thing this was definitely trying to be edgy trying to be actually smart and funny Hmm. and realistic not like it's always asinine, even on like HBO shows when like the lady keeps her shirt on or so. it's like, come on, is this 
This I, is not, not like I need to see it all the time, but <laughs> you it's need so it. <laughs> unrealistic. You know uh, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. We know you're not a pervert. Uh, <laughs> I, I, well, I, it's like a dude's butt isn't sexual, but you can never show a lady's butt or it's considered porn for some reason. It's just odd. It is kind of strange. We should do a countdown sometime of the most sexual... Um, scenes filmed in front of a live audience i want to know if any, <laughs> yeah. i, I want to know if anybody has actually done the deed while in a scene that's what i want to know like outside of porn yeah like in birdman yeah. where he edward, <laughs> edward norton like wants to have sex with her i want to know if that's actually happened um so that whole thing is one of the major plot points of this episode because after they do the deed uh Michael J. Fox discovers in a very comedic manner that that Carla Gugino, his girlfriend, and a reporter who, of course, is the evil journalist, and I won't even get into that. Uh, He discovers that she's basically living with him, and he hasn't realized, and all her stuff is there, and he has a little bit of a meltdown. Do you do? Is that like a sitcom cliche that guys don't want girls to move in? Because I remember being very excited that my girlfriend was going to move in. It was so much easier. Was that ever like a thing where you were like weirded out by that? Um, not weirded out, but it's definitely noticeable. I would say that any, any pilot or show, especially in the sitcom genre, is going to go there at some point with some male character because it's like this Peter Pan syndrome. I don't want to grow up. I need yeah. my like messy dude apartment. You know, that it has to paint like, like some part of your manhood or your life dies when a woman enters. And I think that is downplayed now because of shit like Lena Dunham and trigger warnings and like people are just nicer. But 20 or 30 years ago, if you watch TV, people didn't give a shit. There was all kinds of racism, sexism, like misogyny, and it was just funny. I mean, not that it was funny, but it was accepted. <laughs> Grimes. Um, it was just known as funny. People didn't, I don't think they looked for like yeah. recreational outrage opportunities as much. You're stepping in all kinds of shit, like totally unwarranted. I know. I'm just like, a, I'm just a, a perv and a racist. I can't wait to really tell you what I think when these recording is off. Uh, so that kind of leads us into the second main plot of this episode. We have the Michael J. Fox romantic interest moving in. But we also have this storyline where the mayor says something, or he's asked about if he's going to attend the gay pride parade. And I can't, what does he say exactly? He laughs and he's like, what are you, drunk? Yeah, he's very upset that they would even suggest that. So he comes under a firestorm. And the office, Michael J. Fox is the ruler of, he's the deputy mayor, if you haven't said that. And he rules over all these people that are helping the mayor do his job and spin the news and stay in the good positive light of the press. And so they have to find a gay person <laughs> to like right. to show that the mayor employs a gay person. And they're going to make James do it. And James is like terrified of that news. It's like the worst thing in the world that he would be identified as gay. Uh, he has to like because call, that would call shatter his, his... <laughs> go ahead. That would shatter his already like uber masculine image in the episode. Yeah, that and like he we would have to tell his parents that he's like freaking out. So it's very much like a '90s. Like I know Will and Grace was airing, and there were and there was like we were building towards where we are now. Where I don't blink twice if there's a homosexual character on the show. It just that's he's there on, has to be a minimum of one. They're on the show and they're contributing to the plot. Here, right. here, of course, it's played up as a joke. Like, there goes our free show tickets. 
<laughs> that's what exactly they, that's what yeah they like ha, ha ha gay dudes they don't they, they don't care about like offending the homosexual population it's more so like the benefits they're that they're gonna lose because the mayor accidentally did that so you know that is a little weird i don't think it's like so cringy that you can't go back and watch this show because obviously some of these 90s shows step in some real some real shit like i, I know seinfeld has a couple episodes that don't go on syndication because just like some not great stuff is on there. Do you? Yeah, I mean they they cut close um, with Seinfeld, especially a lot of like accents and any yeah. of the the very few non-white um, characters were always pretty stereotypical. Well, and like Friends as well, um, caught some flack mm, for that. I, I haven't heard too much about Friends, but I've definitely like I, I'll have to bring the episodes next time where like the Seinfeld ones that literally are out of syndication because of one reason or another, and mostly because of some some racism present that they just weren't aware of at that time but anyways they ha- so they have this homosexual storyline and they have this um romantic moving in storyline and that kind of that kind of pushes this episode along uh they solve the homosexual storyline by seeing a gay activist on tv that is railing against them and then hiring him and he becomes which is like character. a redemptive moment it is yeah it's a redemptive moment mostly because like Michael J. Fox hires him, and obviously it's to hit this quota, but I think he hires him with, like, real issues in mind, like, once he sees how passionate the guy is. Like, it's not an offensive scene, and I think there is right, some right. some redemption to that whole office um, by the end when you kind of, you bring that guy in, and you bring him in in, like, a, a faithful manner, I think. And, of course, he's and, present throughout the rest of the series. Right, and I can't speak too much about Goldberg, but that's somewhat of like a uh, Bill Lawrence trademark, I think, is wrapping up everything pretty neatly and cleanly in 22 minutes. Um, Like every episode of Scrubs, there's this nice life lesson. Um, So like in this episode, you learn, oh, gays, they ain't so bad. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) It's really yeah. odd to have to like beat people over the head with that, even twenty years after this episode. It's but, a it's um, a nineties thing. It's like they. Ha- it they is. Ha- it really that, is a nineties thing. That was totally in their lesson repertoire, like things that we just simply can't do today for obviously good reasons. I had a couple more things. Uh, there's this good running joke about ten dollars in the kitty, which I referenced in your um, your introduction. That if anybody tells the press guy Richard Kind what's really going on, so that he actually has to lie to the press, um, very much a baseline to Matt Walsh and Veep. Uh, they have to put ten dollars in the kitty, so that was pretty good. Um, there's some funny lines. Uh, those aren't my parents. I thought they came with the frame. Michael J. Fox talking about <laughs> his girlfriend moving in without him knowing it and putting her pictures up. Uh, so then we uh, live together. That was a pretty good delivery there. Um, I do like how he is like the shorter of him and the mayor, so that that power relationship is established immediately. I think that was. And a the really mayor is very tall. He's not very, just like a regular tall. tall. Yeah. He's a pretty tall dude. Yeah, he like you know, is dominant over him. Uh, if I act now, if I, yeah, towers, that was the word I was looking for. If I act now, do I get a free set of steak knives in terms of like apologizing? So I think that was a pretty good line. Uh, yeah, I don't think this, we decided that this isn't a story where they like continue storylines. Like there was a thing about the sanitation people striking at the very beginning of this episode that kind of just drifted away immediately. Um, once the mayor said that bad thing about homosexuals, and that that doesn't come back on the next episode, I don't think. Um, so this isn't like. No, I don't think it would come back long term if it comes back at all. They're not building like season long arcs, which I think is something that you should, no. that people should know. Um, 
Carla Gugino's name is Ashley Schaefer. We we love that. Uh, shout out to Will Ferrell. <laughs> shout out to Will Ferrell. Anything else in this episode? Um, I like the music and the opening scene, although this strikes me as one of those good 90s shows where like the name of the show should have been in the lyrics of the theme song. Yeah. Like you're in Spin City, <laughs> in an ear, you know, like some kind of like shitty lyrical. I don't know. I like when they sing. Um, in terms of in terms in of old shows. In terms of title talk, the the title the title screen, it's not even like a sequence, it's just a screen. Right, it just kind of drops drops the manhole cover and not, has a little jazz strumming. Not impressive. Um embarrassing Pretty type- generic, looks very yeah. 90s. Embarrassing typography by today's standards. Not not good. That that was not one but of yeah, my favorites. Yeah, other than that. No, title talk, nothing really to speak of. Great. Um Yeah, this is just one of those, I don't want to call it generic, because I know that the show was, it got better with age, and even when Sheen was on it, it wasn't terrible, like, it, it, the rhythm, it, was, the, the it would fit in today on CBS. Yeah, the rhythms had been established by, I mean, he was just coming in and delivering jokes in the same pattern, basically. You Pretty know? much, yeah, the smart ass, like, kind of cocky, shorter dude. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a good, it's a solid show. I, I wouldn't uh, probably revisit it. I don't know about you, but the pilot didn't catch me like Atlanta or some of the other ones we've watched. I, I would revisit it just to see if Michael J. Fox's pants get any higher. Like if it's a, <laughs> right. if it's a running joke that by the end of the se- the series they are literally up to his neck. That's that's what I would return for. His pants are so high. Clothes are weird. I mean, anytime we go back and watch anything, even like early two thousands fashion was pretty. Uh, he's a like, lot of weird sideburns. And... He's he's an early hipster. He's he's got those pants pulled right up, and uh, his his like um, suits are so oversized and bad that you could see somebody wearing it today, like ironically. So I, I dig yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. One last good line. Promise to tell me if we're getting married, and one last weird moment. The Jewish moment at the end, playing the Jewish music like yeah kind of strange right well (laughs) i mean they're in new york after all yeah i guess that's new york humor um okay so entertainment weekly gave it an a minus we're only a couple minutes over so i'll finish this up ken tucker wrote spin city is at once familiar and fresh it's a workplace sitcom as mike oversees a staff of oddballs and comic losers the most enjoyable of them a gullible press secretary played by a winning smarm by Mad About You's Richard Kind. Better still is Mike's boss, Mayor Randall Winston, who I didn't really think was that great. A cheerfully stupid fellow. Um, I, I will say the last character that we didn't really talk about was Alan Ruck, and there's definitely a rivalry built right away. I think that's a very good scene between those two, that he wants Michael J. Fox's job. He thinks he deserves it, and that's going to be a driving force. Uh, Michael J. Yes, was, that yeah. comes back over and over. Yeah, Michael J. Fox nominated all four seasons for the Emmy. He won in the fourth, and uh, yeah, that's about it. I think we we wrapped this up in pretty good time. We covered it. Spin City, do it. And you know what? Way better episode than the one I deleted. So I'm glad I deleted <laughs> it. God damn it. Hey, everything <laughs> happens for a reason, bro. Go with Christ. Hey, buddy, enjoy the debate. <laughs> <laughs> you too. Um, try not to take it seriously at all, anybody. Uh, not are, that you'll hear this before. Do you think the debate will change the mind of any one individual in America? If it does, that person does not deserve <laughs> access to television. 
I don't think I've ever met like an actual moderate voter that no. could, that could swing there, either way. In this election, there is nobody who still isn't sure. Yeah, which is really um, really. I sad. think there's a lot of people who are are aren't sure if they're even going to bother voting because it's so pointless with these choices. But that's a different story. I'll I'll make a quick recommendation. If you are somebody who doesn't doesn't believe they're into politics i think that you can find a podcast like keeping it 1600 on the ringer that really um makes light of some of the ridiculousness and it has cleared up a lot of stuff for me about the issues and um they also talk about how the media covers the election but yeah i'll throw that recommendation out there because it's helped me get into the election a little bit more so do you solid any political podcasts you listen to no, none. <laughs> I, I listen to all comedy or modern vinyl only podcasts. You should listen to Keeping a Sixteen Hundred. I think you'd enjoy it. And uh, we got to get you reading that uh, TV, the book, man. I, I'm almost done with it. Uh, I think we got to talk about some of the rankings. Okay, I'll get on it. I'll I'll get the audio. Okay, good. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys very much for listening to Pilot Study. Of course, we will leave you with a clip from next week's episode uh that is going to be from friday night lights we're going to continue with our anniversaries and then after that we have another theme month to drop on you and uh i think it's going to be a good one i think people are going to be really into it so let's hope i'm ready for it (laughs) it was it was one that was supposed to run i think all the way back on last season but for some reason it just kept getting pushed back and back and back and um do do you have a favorite episode from this season that you would recommend any anything that stands out well, West Wing. West Wing. Listen to the West Wing. Listen to the Kanye West one. And we will talk to you guys later. Drake, remember that life is so very fragile. We are all vulnerable. And we will all, at some point in our lives, fall. We will all fall. We must carry this in our hearts. That what we And that's the premise behind Pilot Study.